Welcome to Inside Outside Innovation, episode 79. Today's show is with Atul Kamra. He is a managing partner at 630, which is a seed fund based out of St. Louis. Atul talked about what makes 630 unique, what attitude is best for combining startups and corporations, and how to keep a narrow focus to stay on track for your goals. His contact info is in the show notes. Hey everyone, I'm Victory Clafter, the producer for Inside Outside Innovation. This is the podcast that brings you the latest insights from people who know the most about building lean businesses, innovating within corporations, and disrupting entire industries with passion and precision. Learn more at insideoutside.io or econic.co. Now, let's get started. is a global uh, fintech seed fund and go-to-market program. 630 gets its name from the height of the arch, the height and the span of the arch uh, in St. Louis. So it's sort of symbolic to our work and our focus. Uh, We're in the business of uh, connecting uh, some of the most promising ideas in the fintech and information security world. Uh, and working with like-minded corporate partners, financial services and technology incumbents specifically, to attract them, uh, coach them, and mentor them into great businesses. Uh, That's at the heart of what we do. Our focus is entirely B2B. Uh, I think we were very early on in the point of view, while lots of fintech had an edge and was sort of positioned as being disruptive, uh, we fundamentally... Uh, took a point of view that uh, fintech was going to play far more collaboratively with uh, incumbents. And so our positioning in working fintech startups and corporate incumbents, FS, financial services corporate incumbents, on a platform to both absorb innovation for the incumbents, and find markets and access and relationships for the startups. That's at the heart of what we do. I love it. And, and, you know, that's an interesting take on it because, you know, a lot of times you hear startups and you, and you think about the disruption and, and how they're changing industries uh, over and over again. Uh, a lot of times it's difficult for corporates to kind of wrap their head around that disruption and actually not only wrap their head around it, but then actively go out or proactively go out and say, how do I engage with startups? So what are some of the trends that you're seeing with regard to corporations, uh, you know, big players in this space? actively saying, raising their hand and saying, I need some help with innovation or, or I need to partner or look at startups as a, as a mechanism for that? I would say the leading incumbents probably have three most significant needs, right? They want to organize their intelligence, their market intelligence. They want to have a you know, really panoramic view of the forces out there that could disrupt their business, right? So they really want to have one. Two, they want a way or a platform or some method or process by which they can absorb that innovation, uh, make it easy to bring it in. And sort of related to that, but yet different, is a way in which they can engage their high potential talent and, and their clients in that process of absorbing innovation. I think those are core needs. I think the most useful companies are ones that, while recognize that there is disruption, also don't necessarily think it has to be fundamentally disruptive, but have an attitude to be helpful. And so our approach to the business recognizes the need to 
you know, organize your and augment your market intelligence, engage your high potential talent, put you in a position to work with your peers and startups to absorb innovation uh, and take an attitude of helpfulness rather than, you, rather than an attitude of intimidation and disruption. Uh, I think when you put those right sets of, and when you put that right sets of mechanisms in place, I think you get the right dynamics. You get to the issues that uh, that large incumbents face around managing change, managing absorption, sort of go-to-market, sort of lead time and cost, and work into their sort of macro agendas while recognizing their constraints mm-hmm. and leveraging their assets. Uh, I think you can get some really good chemistry going between startups and incumbents. You know, start. I mean, incumbents have very significant advantages. They have uh, you know, regulators on their side in many ways. They've got customers, and they've got some strong risk management processes in place. So those are to be leveraged. Yeah, and typically they have a business model that's been in place for a long time that allows them to take some risks because they've got a, a they're not going to be out of cash in it in a, in a couple of weeks like a startup can be. So yeah, and um, have a, and brands and they have brands exactly. Yes, you're right, exactly. So tell me a little bit about some of the maybe some success stories or, or exactly how does six thirty work and how does how do you help pull this uh, whole puzzle piece together? So I'd say that our approach to the business is very focused. Right, one we're focused on B two B. Right, we're not in um, in B two C propositions. We invest in B two B and B two B two C businesses. Second, our focus is revenue. So we would work with uh, fintech startups that have a working product, that have market traction and early revenue. And they're at the point in time in which they really need to scale their business models and are looking to uh, accelerate revenues, at which point there's a lot of pressure on the business model and key business questions. How do I go to market? Do I use a channel partner? How do I price my business? What do I... What kind of sales force I need to have? What 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 are my unit economics going to look like? Those are those pressure questions that they face uh, at the point in, at point in time in which they're now sort of re- reflecting and looking at you know significant inflection in their business. So that's a big uh, portion of our value proposition is a revenue focus. We're in the business of accelerating relationships and revenues. Third, we don't work with you know, 15, 20, 30 companies at a time. We work with four or five startups at a time. And so we give them a lot of attention. Uh, there's some very detailed, hands-on, call it sort of working in the trenches uh, between the corporate executives, subject matter experts, uh, my venture partners, my general partners with the, with the entrepreneur, with the CEO or the CEO of a startup in uh, in helping them uh, accelerate revenues uh, we also you know from a from a programmatic standpoint we don't treat our uh, portfolio companies like a lot of programs do as graduates we work with our companies well beyond the time they spend time with us in the go to market or the business development program and so that puts us in a sort of a interesting place where we have you know deep long standing relationships uh, with the incumbents, uh, with our startups, well beyond the time they spend time with us in St. Louis in the business development program. And lastly, I would say, uh, you know, we're a two-sided program. We are actively working with incumbents mm-hmm. to solve for the 
three things that I talked about that incumbents really need, right? The intelligence, the ability to absorb innovation, and the ability to engage their high potential talent and their clients. So those are the five uh, sort of factors that uh, we use sort of uh, deploy on an ongoing basis, and I think they differentiate us. So B2B, a revenue focus, a few companies with a lot of access and attention, uh, treating them as portfolio companies. They are portfolio companies. And lastly, a two-sided platform where both um, incumbents and their needs are served while startups and their need for access are served. So I would say that's our approach uh, to market. That's our approach to the fintech and information security environment and opportunity. So take me back to, you know, when you were first getting started, you've been in the space for for longer than a lot of folks. And so what are some of the changes or um, things that you've seen happened in the funding landscape and, and in the startup corporate collaborative space that have changed over the years that have uh, affected your model and, and affected uh, the ability for, for companies to, to, to get benefit out of this model? So a couple of observations here. One, sort of let's say on, a fo- on, the, on the side of the, the category of startups that have gotten traction. So I would say, you know, when the fintech world got, you know, a fair amount of journalistic energy and ink, uh, lots of talk about, so I would say, industry verticals like robo-advice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we see far more traction today, not for sort of industry verticals, but I would say horizontals, like information security, like blockchain, like artificial intelligence. And I think those categories, like reg and compliance, that cut across you know, uh, financial services industry verticals uh, and deploy data in very interesting ways, but don't actually challenge head-on sort of any given industry vertical. So we see that significant amount of traction in what I would call the horizontal category. Mm-hmm. Second, and sort of going, sort of alongside it, but again different, is... I think originally there was a lot of sort of attention on what I would call shiny objects, right? And I think there's much more sobriety around the fact that, hey, here's a shiny object, let me go chase it, versus how does this idea activate behavior? How does it ultimately integrate with core systems and therefore has high implementability? And how does it leverage data in a way that goes from purely analytics to actually good decisions and superior decisions, both for the incumbent, the provider, as well as the client of the financial services incumbent? And I think that's a very big shift, which is not just a shiny object, but much, much more consciousness around sort of front, middle, back, understanding, leveraging you know, data, interaction data, demographic data, transactional data, much more sensitivity around implementability, much more sensitivity around design and activation, and sort of away from this sort of attention to just purely shiny objects. And thirdly, I I would say much more uh, from an incumbent standpoint, much more consciousness on their part around making sure they bring sort of their technology groups, their innovation group, and their lines of business, and if appropriate, given how they're approaching the market, their corporate development teams along, rather than having them doing that sort of separately. And in our case, 
you know, we're often a catalyst for bringing the tech group, the line of business, and the innovation group sort of together as they attack a certain opportunity or figure out how to absorb uh, an innovative idea into their organization and or spread um, and drive activation uh, and implementability around it. So I would say those three sort of stand out shiny objects, um, much more sort of intentional activation, activity across generally siloed in the organizations, and then a focus uh, equally or if not more on capabilities rather than just verticals. And I'm, I'm imagining a lot of that's been learned from, you know, incumbents actually being a part of what's going on at 630 and that. How do uh, incumbents kind of play a role in the program itself? Are they primarily mentors? Are they funders? How do they actually engage with startups? Yeah, so, uh, our, you know, our corporate partners, our financial service incumbents uh, are with us from the very you know, right from sort of, I would say, front to back. So they would generally invest in us and invest in the fund, in the seed fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they start right there. Their teams are actively involved in the evaluation and the selection of uh, the startups that we work with. So the CIO of Edward Jones, the CIO of State Farm Bank, the head of capital markets at UMB, the head of innovation at RGA, all these players actually sit on our on the 630 investment committee and are part of the process with their team members on evaluating and selecting the ideas we come around and invest with. Right, um, so they're, they're more than just LPs. LPs. Yeah, they're more than LPs, right? They're, they're, the teams are generally uh, assigned and or decide uh, on their own which portfolio companies that they're actually going to work with and mentor and coach. And some of it might mean bringing that idea in and doing a proof of concept or a proof of value with it or, or buying it as a, from a vendor standpoint. It could be co-investing with us like has happened. They could follow on, invest with the ideas after they've seen them work. And we have some very sort of uh, you know, refined processes to enable our uh, corporate partners to co-invest with us and or follow on, invest with us. And then sort of, I would say, uh, you know, from a timing standpoint, there's some ideas that some incumbents are ready for today, and there's some ideas that become relevant to an incumbent well after the time we've sort of invested in them and or they spent time with us in our go-to-market program. Right. And so for the on, an ongoing engagement with our portfolio companies is something our portfolio management group at 630 manages so that we stay in front of both the startup as well as our network of incumbents, as well as their respective networks, right? So RGA, which is the third largest life insurance company in the world, has a large network of insurance companies as they sort of, UMB has a very large correspondent banking business, right? They have in the, in sort of the regional, in the regional space. And so they have a, you know, fabulous network of correspondent banks they work with. So they individually have their own networks which provide us an opportunity to expose these ideas way beyond the individual incumbents themselves, but their their own uh, their own networks and their own client bases, uh, which increase, increases their own specific relevance uh, to their markets and to their clients. Very good, very good. Well, one last question. So, what's next for six thirty and and for you and, and some of the new trends that you're seeing out there? So, I would say uh, the one thing. Let me start with what's going to remain constant. Right, what's going to remain constant for us is this focus on B two B. We're very global, uh, uh, more than half or uh, uh, half our pipeline is non-US. Uh, and so, and we see some of the bravest ideas coming from 
from Asia. We're going to continue with our focus on data and design. I often say fintech is where data and design meet money. Mm-hmm. That cuts across insight, activation, and implementability of those ideas. Insight from a client standpoint, design, design driving client behavior, and implementability ultimately driving whether or not an incumbent's in a position to absorb the idea. So those are going to remain very constant with us. We're seeing uh, our pipeline incredibly healthy, uh, which is forcing us to uh, build out a bigger fund. And so uh, spring next year, we'll be launching 632.0, which will be a fund that's uh, two and a half the size of the current fund. We'll be, uh, you know, in a position to absorb, you know, 10 to 14 um, ideas every year. We'll bring on um, a few more uh, corporate incumbents as well that uh, uh, like like the model, like the innovation platform we put in place to both uh, provide them competitive intelligence around what's going on in the fintech space and organize it and o- augment what they do, but also you know appropriately apply their talent and their clients in the process of absorbing innovation. We're uh, we're also actively looking at uh, working with a couple of uh, leading technology players to build out a tech lab uh, with them. Uh, to play out the sort of the implementability part uh, of this in uh, sort of in, um, in in rapid ways, but also in a safe and secure way. So, you know, some well-established tech players that incumbents can feel safe working with, but also provide an environment in which the startup's technology or their innovation can be uh, tested in a rapid and yet secure way. So I would say uh, more capital uh, brought to these ideas together with the same deep sort of engagement between startups and incumbents, along with uh, uh, resources to drive more experimentation, more rapid experimentation in a more safe and secure way. That's the end of another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Atul for coming on the show. If you've got some thoughts about how we can make the show fit your needs better, send us a note at the IO Podcast on Twitter or at InsideOutside.io. Until next time, go out and innovate.